0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. You know, that's maybe not the worst idea. Just announce to your, <laughs> your company on Twitter, hey, we have an FCPA matter. Tag the criminal division. There you go. You have covered your rear end, at least. Then you can make the phone call for an official meeting, but you can at least point out to Twitter, hey, man, we tagged you guys. I think Ken Polite is his own Twitter feed, too. I'm not sure. Maybe tag him on LinkedIn.
1: In this episode, Matt and Tom take a deep dive into the ABB, FCPA Enforcement Action. We ask how ABB was able to get such a superior result given that they are now a three-time recidivist and they did not self-disclose. It's a fascinating exploration of what a company can do to dig themselves out of a very deep hole they have put them into When it comes to an FCPA enforcement action, I know you'll enjoy this episode of the award-winning Compliance into the Weeds. Before we get started with our podcast, a quick word from our sponsor. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox and Matt Kelly back for another episode of the award-winning Compliance into the Weeds. And late last Friday, as in, I think, after 5 Eastern, The Department of Justice dropped a press release that they have concluded their FCPA resolution with ABB. Both Matt and I studied it over the weekend. Matt blogged about it. I'm in the middle of a series on it. So we thought, what a great time to talk ABB. So with that incredibly long-winded introduction, welcome, Matt.
0: Hello, Tom. Good to be here.
1: So, Matt, this case had a lot Going on, a lot of similarities to other things we've seen, but I thought I would go through some of the background facts. The case itself is notable because this makes ABB a three time recidivist. I'm going to leave that discussion to you. But facts, or the relevant time frame, rather, was 2014 to 2017 after their first two FCPA violations. And they wanted to do some business in South Africa, which was notoriously corrupt in this time frame, but ABB matched a corruption step for corruption step. This involved the electrical company ESCOM with a construction project, and ABB wanted to be a part of the group that bid to take it away from a previous previously awarded contract. They did so by putting together a capture team, as it was called by ABB, and led by, quote, Sail Shark, end quote. And if there's ever terminology you should not use and engage in FCPA violations, those two are probably it. But the way they did so was to find the appropriate ESCOM employee who could direct the contract ABB. They identified that person. They were able to persuade that person to give them confidential ESCOM bidding information so they knew what to bid, for which the employee wanted a, quote, prepayment, end quote, so that they were going to actually have to pay before the bid was made. They engaged a corrupt third party to do so who could not make it through the ABB bidding process for suppliers. Nevertheless, that was waived by the corporate office in Switzerland, not by the local team in South Africa, who didn't really seem to be aware that actually corruption was going on. However, the subcontractor they hired was so corrupt, that subcontractor kept the money that was going to be paid to Eskom. So they had to bring in a second corrupt subcontractor To make the payments. And here it got even more interesting because once again the subcontractor couldn't meet local supply chain requirements, so they brought in a supply chain expert from the United States to help massage this process. This supply chain expert did, and he did so by hiring two competent subcontractors to work under corrupt subcontractor two. But then after going through all this work to figure out a way to get him through the ABB process. They were already on site doing work, so he went ahead and approved them anyway, and he went back to America. So much for the uh, ABB supply chain internal control. That led to millions of dollars of payments on a regular basis to ESCOM, and the contract was awarded to ABB. I'm going to take it up to there because then ABB somehow finds out about this, whether by hook, crook, or nook or through internal reporting, and they decide they're going to contact the Department of Justice. You want to pick it up from there.
0: Yeah. So, Tom, that was a great cap of all of the details of the bribery. And honestly, folks, we have heard this many times before in variations, third parties involved, due diligence processes short-circuited. And here we are. Uh, So corporate management at some point in the late 2010s decides that they want to disclose this to the Justice Department isn't that great, but in one of the weirder voluntary self-disclosure efforts I have ever heard of, apparently ABB called or contacted the Justice Department, said we would like a meeting, and they just made the meeting request. Did not tell the Justice Department what the meeting would be about, but The Justice Department just said, okay, sure, we'll take a meeting. And then in between the meeting request to disclose this corruption and the actual meeting, which happens sometime in the future, media reports came out about this corruption. And because of that weirdness, ABB lost the voluntary self-disclosure credit that they might have been eligible for. And then we can talk a bit more about all of the other unflattering circumstances here. Long story short, at the end of it, they had to pay a total of, I think it was 460-ish million in penalties, civil and criminal, to the Justice Department, Securities and Exchange Commission, regulators in South Africa, regulators in Switzerland, Apparently, there is another end of this settlement about to come down in Germany because some of those involved were German nationals. But big honking mess of money that ABB had to pay. Three-year deferred prosecution agreement. They did not have to plead guilty, although some ABB subsidiaries did plead guilty to corruption charges. But Tom, I think the big news here is that ABB is a three-time FCPA offender and did not get a corporate monitor, did not have their chief compliance officer in CCO certifying the compliance program. Those stipulations, which we have talked about all year here in FCPA land, which the Justice Department has talked about all the time, they were not part of this settlement for conduct that at the least does not look flattering. As you described, the actual machinations of this scheme did not look good. We have this third FCPA offense. We've never had one of those before, but ABB had to settle first in 2004 and then second in 2010, did not get the self-disclosure conduct credit, and yet here we are still with no monitor and no certification requirement for the compliance officer. So, it's a weird settlement at first glance. And that's why I think it is quite intriguing for compliance officers
1: to take a look at. I absolutely agree, Matt. And indeed, this week on my blog post series, I am posing three questions with each different part of the settlement I'm studying with. Number one, how did ABB obtain such a superior resolution? Number two, how did a three time FCPA violator avoid a monitor? And three, why is there no requirement for CCO certification? Matt, I guess we should have known something was up when last week there was a speech by yet another DOJ official who indicated that, and not indicated, said outright that CCO certification was not mandatory, that it would be uh, delivered on appropriate cases. You and I both scratched our head a little bit about that, because I had heard Kenneth Polite say that it was mandatory going forward. And I think you may have heard the same things from other speeches as well. So was that a clue that something was about to change? I think it was. So we have known for, I
0: don't know, at least a week or two, that the ABB settlement was coming soon but nobody knew the exact terms of it. And then last week at the big FCPA conference happening in Washington, where the who's who of FCPA people, except Tom, for me at least, I don't know if you were there. So they were all gathering and they heard from Nicole Argentieri, who is the acting principal, deputy assistant attorney general. But she gave a speech that generally just rehashed everything we have heard all year long about FCPA enforcement policies. And then she threw in this extra coloring or shading about compliance officer certifications where she said, and I'll just quote it here, we will consider requiring certifications, blah, blah, blah. And then if the requirement is imposed, and there's a lot of ifs, there's a lot of considerings, there's a lot of maybes and what have yous and whatnots. And that just struck me as a very different tone what we had been led to believe by other Justice Department officials that this would be mandatory. And so in hindsight, the very next day, ABB has its settlement where this looks terrible. We've been talking about recidivist offenders and CCO certifications all year long and none of it is here. None of the worst possible sanctions are included. So I do think that maybe was a clue. And I have some thoughts about why abb probably got the more favorable resolution than it did and to be honest 400 million in fines and a three-year prosecution deal and quarterly meetings in person with the justice department for all of those three years in the dpa and annual reports to the sec this is not a fun deal by any chance or by any stretch but it could have been a lot worse one would think it should have been a lot worse and yet it was not a lot worse And so, you know, that we have to puzzle out, what did ABB do? Apparently so impressed the Justice Department that they said, we are still, even now, not going to stick you with a monitor and your CCO won't have to certify the program.
1: Spot on, Matt. I haven't gotten to that blog post yet, but I'm going to entitle it a win for compliance because it struck me, even with the limited amount of information we received in the settlement documents, that ABB had really gone above and beyond, not simply in cooperating during the pendency of the investigation on the enforcement action, but also in the remediation. But before we get to the remediation, you identified one line that potentially struck you or struck you as potentially indicating why the cooperation on the investigation was given so much credence or credit. What did you see?
0: So this actually came from the SEC's settlement order, not the Justice Department order, which, by the way, DOJ, if you are listening, shame on you for not disclosing the settlement orders in your press release and having us all look through PACER and those other antiquated court systems to dig up the filings. Not cool, DOJ. But the SEC, modern agency that it is, did post its settlement order and included this one line where they said, ABB's cooperation included real-time sharing of facts learned during its own internal investigation, and I think that counted for a lot. I also do think that the Justice Department wanted to give ABB some recognition for its attempt at self-disclosure. You're calling to make a meeting, and in between the call and the actual meeting, then news breaks and you lose the credit. That. That sucks, but these things happen. But I think that it points to ABB's desire to get this done, do a root cause analysis, which was also credited, but like really work with the department in the true spirit that the department wants to see of trying to get to the bottom of things and do the right thing. And so they tried to confess and they were sharing as much information while they were finding it out not necessarily knowing, is this gonna put us even further into the hole than we already are? It looks like that those concerns, which are fair to consider, that ABB put those aside and said, let's just get this out here as soon as possible. Let's cooperate as much as we can. Even if this might lead to a less favorable settlement, let's just do it. And I haven't seen that sort of cooperation craze come out from the SEC orders, and I read a lot of them. So I think that kind of points to what ABB was doing right, that the department and the SEC said, yes, that's what we want to reward and see more of.
1: That was one component, and but there was a second component, and that's the remediation. And here, I must confess, I wish we had more information from the department. They lauded the program currently ongoing, being constructed, created and implemented by ABB, And they lauded the, as you pointed out, the reporting that ABB will do going forward. Were you able to figure really out anything from the settlement resolution documents as to why the compliance program was deemed so extraordinary in the remediation phase?
0: No, that's the short answer. They do have the Justice Department in its Schedule C which lists the compliance reforms that a company is supposed to either have in place or be putting in place. If you look at the Schedule C that is relevant to this case here, it really just, it's thorough and comprehensive in what ABB must be able to do, but it's plain vanilla about that they must have a good third party oversight system. Yeah, no kidding DOJ, tell us something we don't know. But they don't tell us anything we don't know. This the improvements that ABB is supposed to have in place are pretty much just a cut and paste job from the FCPA resource guide that the department has put out. Now that's a very good guide, but it doesn't give us much specifics about what ABB has been doing here. So it leads me to think that maybe this is more about ABB's efforts and sincerity and desire to work well rather than the complete and comprehensive flawless program that must be in place, which I don't necessarily know that it is finished with all of this yet. They do have a three year DPA and they are going to have to make more improvements. They are going to have quarterly meetings with the DOJ and annual reports to the Justice Department to the Securities and Exchange Commission, which does tell me that there's still some work that has to be done here. And while we're on the subject of praising remediation efforts. I have been doing some digging into those prior to FCPA offenses, including I like dug up a legal memo I think from Winston and Strawn from like 2004. Dusted that off from somebody's MySpace page or something. But basically, even back then, in the first offense. The Justice Department was saying you did a really good job remediating, because they screwed it up again in 2010, and now they've messed it up again a third time. So I do somehow sometimes wonder what does the department mean when it's saying it's praising the remediation efforts? Because you've been praising them and praising them, and we're still here a third time around. So at some point in the future, if we have a four-time FCPA violation from them or some other company, are we still going to see this? boilerplate of they did a good remediation job. I'm sure ABB's heart is in the right place, but the track record does not look good. And now we just have the department throwing around good remediation, good job.
1: I'm not sure what this means. So one of the things that intrigued me, if we could go back to uh, some of your earlier remarks, was around the desire to self-disclose, attempt to self-disclose, or putative self-disclosure. I'm not quite sure which. Because under the Monaco memo discussion of monitors, the number one factor was self-disclosure. So now have we created some new category where we really meant to self-disclose? And could that be expanded to we really meant to self-disclose or we just thought about self-disclosure? Any idea why there was such an extensive discussion of that? Was it to really show something beyond, hey, they didn't meet the self-disclosure requirement?
0: If you consider the counterfactual here of, let's say that the SEC, the Justice Department, rather, they let's say they did nail ABB to the wall and gave them a monitor and said, you totally whiffed on self-disclosure. It's your bad luck that you didn't include it in the meeting request. and You put it in the subject line or something. I don't know. But if they had really nailed ABB to the wall and gave them no credence for that self-disclosure effort, at least, what signal would that send to other companies? And I don't know that maybe it would have sent more of a scary and negative response or message to other companies that, oh, geez, man, they tried their best and they still got a monitor. I'm definitely going to shut up. What's the worst that'll happen? I'll get a monitor, too. So there is a certain... The, the Justice Department has somewhat boxed itself into a slight corner here that they really need to be able to show that cooperating and trying your best will bring benefits. And if you try your best, but your best still isn't very good, and then the department nails you to the wall, I like that's going to do the department, I think more harm than good. That's my guess. I don't know what you think, Tom.
1: I think they were trying to not necessarily create a new category, but do what you've suggested, which is show apparently their heart was at the right place and they meant to, but they just didn't get it done in time. And so I did want to ask, were you serious that you should announce on Twitter with hashtag self-disclosure going forward? You know, that's
0: maybe not the worst idea. Just announce
1: to your company on Twitter, hey, we have an FCPA
0: matter, tag the criminal division. There you go, you have covered your rear end at least. Then you can make the phone call for an official meeting, but you can at least point out to Twitter, hey man, we tagged you guys. I think Ken Polite has his own Twitter feed too, I'm not sure. Maybe tag him on LinkedIn. There is one other issue here. There's two, two points that I think are worth raising. Number one, the, going back to how the SEC praised ABB for its fulsome, ongoing, in-real-time cooperation. My friend and colleague, Tom, you might know him too, Todd Hall, who is a law professor at Indiana University, he made the very good observation that that might sound like a good idea, cooperating in the midst real-time facts and disclosure, all that, isn't it great? That could come dangerously close to the Justice Department telling you how to run its investigation for it on its behalf. And there are some legal issues that crop up there. There are some federal judges that do not like this. I think it could get into pressuring employees to violate their Fifth Amendment rights, because if you're acting on behalf of the government and then you're telling them you have to give this up in an interview or we're going to fire you, is that pressure that might violate their right against self-incrimination? Todd raised a good point that is worth thinking about, but at the same time, I was looking at ABB's case and thinking, trying to give them a lot of credit for what they at least tried to do, and they didn't quite know where the case would go, And but they're going to disclose anyways. Tom, that reminds me a lot of the Cognizant Technologies FCPA case from 2019, where Cognizant had serious Misconduct. Two senior executives accused of funneling millions to government officials in India. These were aggravating circumstances. And the department policy at the time, if there are aggravating circumstances, no, we won't decline to prosecute, even if you voluntarily self-disclose. And if you look at Cognizant, again, at first glance, it seems like that's a bad case. They have to get nailed to the wall. And Cognizant didn't get nailed to the wall. Cognizant got a declination to prosecute. Because its board almost immediately, I think within a week or two of being coming aware of what happened with its FCPA issues, they reported to the Justice Department. They took their lumps. They had no idea what kind of beating they would get behind the woodshed, but they did the right thing anyways. And so they got a very favorable treatment for some very unflattering facts about their misconduct. This is like that. ABB does not have a good picture here. Nonetheless, they did manage to avoid the most serious, I would say, from a compliance officer's perspective, the most serious sanctions are monitor and you have to certify the program, you and your CEO. And that didn't happen because the department wants to try and reward people and show the world that, you know, we're not totally bad, big meanies. We'll cooperate and we'll give you all some breathing space if you work with us. So there is still, there's a lot to think about with ABB. And we haven't even really dug into the bizarro facts about Hiring a third-party corrupt agent who's so corrupt they didn't even pay the bribe. Tom, I glossed right over that when I was reading about it. Just on the big, broad strokes of this case, it really is quite intriguing.
1: So the Cognizant Technologies Board self-disclosed two weeks after receiving notice. So we have that as standard. It would appear ABB didn't meet that. Whatever, for whatever reason. Nevertheless, there's one other point I wanted to raise with you, which was the clear call out for ABB performing a root cause analysis. And the reason I raise that, that is now one of the standard hallmarks of an effective compliance program as per the 2020 update or second edition of the FCPA Resource Guide. Yet it merited, in my mind, almost some distinction as to something A.B. did really above and beyond, where I thought that was just standard fare. One wonders, again, the Justice Department, what actually about
0: the root cause analysis was so impressive? I have no doubt that it was impressive, and I think root cause analyses are important. They also speak to, ultimately, the root cause is probably going to be some faulty technical control, maybe a faulty internal accounting policy or something. And Bad culture, because somebody somewhere is at your company is thinking, this is a good idea, we should do this. Ultimately, those root causes are going to lead you there, and then we're just trying to suss out exactly which people and which controls failed. But it is intriguing to see that this clearly is important to the Justice Department. They want to see it done, and I guess maybe because that will help you avoid future FCPA violations, all evidence to the contrary with this three-time offender, but nonetheless, here we
1: are. I think this is a huge win for compliance. I guess my only reservation is I wish we had more information on what ABB did in terms of remediation. What, that was so impressive. But I certainly agree with your concluding portion of your blog that the DOJ has made clear they will reward conduct they deem truly extraordinary. And maybe the second company that does it, it won't be extraordinary. It'll be more standard. Nevertheless, it's clear they were trying to communicate to us that extraordinary cooperation and remediation will be rewarded. I wish I could just point our compliance brethren to here some of the steps we know you should take. I agree, Tom. Matt, I'm sure we'll be visiting this a little bit more. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this special 300th anniversary episode of the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. Matt and I have had a ton of fun over this podcast series. I hope you have as well, perhaps learned a little about compliance details and Into the Weeds. And I hope you'll join Matt and I again as we head on for our next 300 episodes. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.